Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guest is Ireland Senior International and the Address UCC Glanmire basketball star, Mia Furlong. Cork Camogie Senior Manager Matthew Toomey sits down with me on the Big Red Bench to preview Saturday's National League opener with Dublin and the 2023 Camogie season. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest F1 off-track headlines, including more car launches and political issues behind the scenes. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back with another action-packed segment, reviewing all the latest provincial underage and adult results and more. And finally, Munster Women's Hockey PRO Graeme Catchpole has all the latest Munster Women's Hockey and EY League results, scores and news. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. I was delighted to be joined on this week's Big Red Bench by Ireland Senior International and the Address UCC Glanmire basketball player Mia Furlong. Mia talked to me about challenging for the Miss Quote.ie Women's Super League title with Glanmire, as well as Ireland's recent FIBA basketball qualifier away to the Czech Republic. Delighted to have with us here on the Big Red Bench this week, uh, joining us having just represented Ireland in the FIBA Women's Eurobasket qualifiers against the Czech Republic. And she's also a very, very important member of the address UCC Glanmire, who are currently sitting top of the Misquote.ie Super League. It is Mia Furlong. Mia, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely to have you on and we appreciate you talking to us. Um, let's talk Irish uh, first, uh, Irish basketball first before we talk about Glanmire. Um, disappointing result, losing 74-57 to the Czech Republic, as I said, away in last week's uh, FIBA Women's Eurobasket 2023 qualifier. But we got to put it in perspective, uh, Mia. I think this is a, a side that are 22nd in the, rank, in the world rankings. They're clearly a very, very good team. So a disappointing result, but a lot of positives to take out of the trip, I would imagine, for yourself and for Irish basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Like as from like a team perspective, like the team started back in like twenty twenty one, like it was kind of like a two year program and like back in twenty twenty one like Joe we weren't even on like the Eurobasket scene, like never mind in the qualifiers. Like the team the kit like that squad back in twenty twenty one came second in this small country, so like that's even like a step below hmm. what we were playing at last week. But it's just like it's mad to think that then we're playing against like the twenty second like you said, the twenty second ranked team then literally like two years later like you know like I think the steps that like international women's basketball has taken in the last like two years is like so positive and like it's just amazing that like to think that like we're all able to compete at this level like yeah like we did bad first quarter but like I feel like for the rest of the game you know we were right there like in other ways yeah like we competed and stuff we never kind of gave up yeah, and that was clear, even uh, from uh, James Weldon, your manager, your coach, uh, mentioning that first quarter that didn't go your way. And even just from looking in the third and fourth quarter, you were with them all the way in terms of scoring throughout that. So that's got to give you confidence going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we, like, in fact, I think we outscored them in the last quarter, which just kind of shows, like, the Irish and the kind of, like, never say die attitude, which I just think is, like, brilliant, because obviously if we're competing at this level, we need to be able to give it our all mm. for the whole game. Because obviously not everything's going to go our way. 
Indeed, you're right. He, he, he lost the first quarter 26-14, which was disappointing. But obviously, coming back in the second and third, he only lost the second quarter by four, 15-12 in the third. But you outscored the checks, as you said, 18-16 in that final quarter. How much, from your point of view, Mia, because you're still only 21 years old, how much was it for you? This was your first full trip um, on the Irish senior basketball team. You've been in and around the panel. You were uh, in the extended panel there against the Dutch, uh, I think, just before the turn of the year. What did you take from the trip and what are the kind of things that you've you've noticed at playing international basketball? Uh, well, it was, like you said, it was my first kind of trip away with the senior team. Like, I've said this to a few people now, but I wish, like, during the trainings I could have a pen and notebook there because, like, the amount of stuff <laughs> you'd learn from those girls now would be amazing. It's like going to school every day or playing against them, like... Um, but no, like, all the coaching staff are brilliant. Like, you know, the, just the attention to detail at that level compared to say in the super the domestic, the domestic super league, sorry. Like the attention to detail is just on another level like and do you know, I find myself kind of bringing that back to like the Super League level and the club level and stuff like that, which is you know that's the whole point of learning and getting better. But honestly if I went through everything I learned now we'd be here till next week talking. That's okay. But um <laughs> <laughs> no, like even like the professionalism around the group is like something do you know, amazing to think that like bar maybe like two players like on the squad like mm. the rest of us are really amateur players you know we're kind of playing for the love of the game and like just to see like how professional setup that we can have for like the whole camp in Prague last week it was just amazing like and like I said like it's just you learn so much like I'm looking at I'm playing with these girls training with these girls that like three or four years ago I've been watching them from the sidelines as Lamar Super League played them in cup, numerous cup finals and it's just it's so amazing to think about that now, like I'm on the same level as these people that I once like only heard about, you know, that, that type yeah. of a thing. Um, you mentioned there, like it's clear how enthusiastic and how much of a, a buzz you've had despite the result. It's a disappointing result. You can't get away from that, losing to the Czech Republic in the qualifiers. But coming back from it now, training with the likes of Edel Thornton, Claire Amelia, who we've spoken to on the, uh, on the big red bench before, you, I, I assume you're picking up things when you watch them close up in training and in the games, things that you wouldn't normally see uh, at Super League level. Absolutely, yeah. Like, Edel and Claire like, are obviously probably like two of the main players on that Irish squad. Like, Edel is the captain and Claire is one of the leaders Joe, for the whole campaign. But, like, I remember even one of the trainings out there that, like, it was one of the trainings in the morning and like we're kind of doing like we're just going through the plays and stuff and I like obviously I'm Joe I'm giving it my all there now trying to do the play properly and like Claire would call me over and be like Joe if you pause here Joe it's a better look than if you keep going at 90% like the whole time or like do you know like it's just like the smaller like I just can't stress like the smaller details that they do all have and like all the girls are brilliant like especially the two that we already mentioned there Claire and Edel they're like Joe they'll explain something to you towards like you know, people in the past might just tell you and you don't you don't even know why you're doing it like mm. but um those like you know that like, it's just amazing you know, to be around players like that and like going up against the gel now soon in Super League now would be a good test of how much I have learned but uh, we'll get onto that now another time I'd say. Yes we will certainly come on to it before we leave the international circle though talk to me about head, head coach James Weldon you talked about the change in international in Ireland women's international basketball um over the last two years how integral is James to that and how good a coach is he? James is at the forefront of pushing the sport I think like without James Weldon the sport probably wouldn't have gotten to the heights that it has gotten to that like you know, like I spoke about that like two years ago we would have like the team would have only been dreaming of you know being in the Eurobasket qualifiers like um, mm. you know but like with 
James and the whole coaching staff, I can't really speak highly enough of them. Like they all made us believe that like when we got when the step up was made to that level, like I've only been with the team for a short while, but like it's so clear that like James made the whole squad and like made everyone in that dressing room believe that like we are good enough to compete, that we are worthy to be there, you know, that we can compete at that level. And like even having that confidence in yourselves and like in each other as a team like it's huge like because if we were going out there thinking that we weren't like oh you know we're only a small country like how are we going to compete against like the countries ranked in the top like 25 in the world like you know you, you wouldn't get really far and I think James has done a really really good job of you know pushing the sport you know pushing ourselves and like even like getting sponsors on board such as like Gotham Drywall has been like amazing for the sport like you know like we're able to host countries during the summer like we played a we played a couple of games last summer against like Estonia and the team travelled on then to Portugal afterwards like without James like none of that would have happened and like that key experience that like you need to be able to compete at this level like you need to be playing games at that level yeah and very well said it's clear though the benefit that you're getting from it I don't think the results are just there yet but it looks like they're on the way because um, once Ireland manages you know to put in a bit of consistency and look again it, you're taking on the checks like 22 in the world that is no easy game in Prague um, and the fact that like for three of the four quarters you put in a really really good and solid performance that should give you a lot of confidence I would imagine and an Irish senior setup that you want to remain a part of now yeah absolutely like you know we talk kind of about like markers and stuff like that. Like uh, during the summer last, like last, during last summer, Joe, we actually beat Estonia twice at home in like a sold out national arena in Dublin, which is like a brilliant. Like Joe, it was even great to see the support for women's basketball in the you know, national basketball arena. And then the team travelled on to Portugal. And like Portugal will be a tough country as well. And to have like a couple of narrow defeats, then on to November, you lose like a heartbreaking game against the Netherlands at home as well. Mm. And like so like we are kind of getting closer and closer and I think even the game against the Czech proved that that like by the end of the like by the end of the game like we actually had them beat in one of the quarters which I think is just you know it's mad to think about is like but obviously we would have liked to play like play that level for the whole game but so it's kind of about the smaller wins and trying to build on each one of them and you know just reach like as you said like to reach a level where we can get a win at that type of like a win in the game. And it's not far away. That's very well said again because you're right in what you're saying. All the pieces are being put in place now. It's it's it's, it's not if, it's when the Irish women's senior basketball team is going to make a major impact and it's coming. And hopefully, Mia, you will be part of that. You mentioned James Welland the importance of his coaching to you, but you don't get into this Irish setup unless you're playing consistently well. For the address UCC Glanmire, where your head coach there is a man we know quite well here on the big red bench and everybody in basketball knows, and that's Mark Scannell. How has Mark influenced your career to this point? Mark, I can't really speak highly enough of him either. Like I've known him since, like I've known of him since I probably joined the club back, you know, when I was like nine or ten. Uh, like, you know, he's always been in the club at some level, you know, and like mostly at the Super League level coaching. But like, you know, he's coached camps and stuff like that. And like, I remember when I was younger, when I was kind of first you know, up to the team training with the Super League team, that like just like the stuff that you'd learn from him as well because on another level like I can't stress like Mark is probably the best coach I've ever seen that like knows how to win games and obviously winning games brings you success and brings you medals brings you trophies like last season and like Mark will make you believe in yourself as well like you know before a game he'll pull us all over and have a little chat with us and like that chat you know he just kind of tells you what you need like like refocuses your mind because obviously before a big game and stuff like that your mind will be going at 100 miles an hour but like even having those words from someone like so like kind of like 
prestige in the basketball community to have him like in your ear before a game like it's just you know experience that like not a lot of people will be able to experience um and like you know when you're younger like you're he's bringing he's constantly bringing up players like from like within the club to come up and train with us because like if you're not training with the best you know you don't you don't really want to be the best is my opinion mm. uh like training with teams that like marcus trained like will, will get you so far um that he just like it's once again it's kind of like a professional setup that we have Mm-hmm. Do you know, like we would, we'd have Mark not so in the background. We'd have Ronan. We can't really speak highly enough of him. Like he spots things that, Joe you know, Mark mightn't see because Mark has about a hundred things to be looking at. And like, you know, it's just it's a great setup that we all have. Yes, and that Mark is just brilliant at what he does. Really, uh, it certainly is a very good setup, and things are going well this year for you because the address UCC Glanmire are coming off a terrific eighty sixty four win over Trinity Meteors, and you sit top of the misquote. Dot .ie Super League and we are having this conversation here on the Big Red Bench with Mia Furlong ahead of what can only be described as a, a real local derby with a bit of spice. Singleton, Super Value Brunel uh, are the next opponents for you including Irish captain Edel Thornton. How much um, first of all Mia are you looking forward to this game against Brunel and what is it like this year playing for Glanmire because things at the moment are going very well. You're top of the table but there is a long way to go. Yeah, do you know like you said, the derby games always have a bit of spice to them. But like Brunel, like you could, we could play Brunel at any point of the season, and we'd want to win. And like obviously, after coming off such a good win last week, you know, like the mood in the camp is high at the moment, and we just want to keep that joke going. If it was any other team, we'd want to do the same thing. So that's the way we kind of have to look at it. We're gonna have to put the derby perspective out of it, and just you know, look at the team on the court and try to beat them on the day. You know that type of thing. We can't get too caught up in the whole local derby like emotions so to speak so to speak um like playing with Lamar this season has been amazing you know we lost so many players from last season's team like Casey Grace was a big loss for the team and like also Claire Melia you know there's just there are two starters that we lost and obviously got two new Americans at the start of the season but they've kind of hit the ground running now and you know everything is starting to click for us at the moment we kind of took a few games to get into the groove of things this season, but we've finally hit Joe that kind of streak of form that we're looking for, and we're just going to try to continue that Joe week by week and see how far we can get. Just finally, Mia, um, obviously you're top of the table. There's a big derby coming up, and we wish you well in that. How much are you enjoying your basketball at the moment? Um, basketball for me is going brilliantly at the moment. I'm really, really enjoying it. You know, even having the Irish team at the side, Joe, is brilliant because. You know, say maybe when things aren't going the best you know, at the club you kind of get a little break from it at the same time which I think is really good but you know haven't had to haven't had to have too many of those breaks near this season with the way things are going but Joe you know, basketball at the moment is just brilliant we have a great group Mark is really you know taking care of the team and stuff like that and like we're all getting along and I feel like once you get along off the court things on the court kind of just take care of themselves that like when we get new Americans and like people come into the club and like there's always kind of a bit like a, of a gelling period but once that gelling period ends you know you actually do enjoy like going up on do the three nights a week and like the nights that you don't want to be there you'll get up there and someone will just make you laugh or do that type of thing it's a real kind of family atmosphere that we have up there and I just think that's brilliant 
It certainly sounds brilliant. Things are going really well for the address UCC Glanmire at the moment. Top of the, uh, as we said, misquoted Super League heading into uh, this weekend's crunch showdown with arch rivals Singleton Super Value Brunel. And just coming off another, or your first full appearance for the Irish international senior basketball team. Mia Furlong, we wish you nothing but success for the rest of the year and we'll catch up between here and the end of the season to see how things go. But for now, Mia Furlong, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Cork Camogie Senior Manager Matthew Toomey joined me on the Big Red Bench to preview this Saturday's very Ireland Camogie National League opener with Dublin at MTU. Matthew also gave us an update on his backroom team and the current squad and looked ahead to what will hopefully be a successful 2023 season. Now, we are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Cork Senior Camogie Manager Matthew Toomey ahead of a brand new season. Cork begin their very Camogie Association League Division 1A campaign at home to Dublin at MTU Cork at 2 o'clock on the 18th of February and ahead of that and ahead of a very busy schedule in both the league, uh, provincial and hopefully All-Ireland Championships once again all the way to the final and beyond. We're delighted to welcome Matthew back. Uh, Matthew, how are you? It seems that we have, not that long ago we were talking, but it's great to talk to you ahead of a new season. I think, oh yeah, the time flies, isn't it? <laughs> it does when you're having fun. Um, yeah. Can I ask you, just from your own point of view and from the panel's point of view, um, are you close to finalising the panel or are you where you want to be in terms of the players, getting into players that you need and what's been happening since Christmas um, in preparation for another long year? Um, Panel-wise, um, I suppose we've we had three long-term injuries um, since after the All-Ireland and I, uh, after the weekend we're after picking up another one. Um, with Kira Sol, it doesn't look great with us at the moment. Um, we're just waiting on the scan. So we will have to revisit the, the panel. We're, we're bringing one or two in just to have a look at them over the coming week um, just to see if we can kind of boost up numbers for it. Um, since Christmas, I suppose we've been been very lucky. We, we got the, the use of Passage Jacob there for a fair bit. They, they, you know, they looked after us very well and we've uh, the county board has given us parking key gym so we're doing the work in the gym and we're, we're, we're down cleared up now again. So just look at the work has been done again. Look, but in fairness, the players came back in great condition as well. They had a, um, a, a gym plan as well before from before Christmas, and they all came back in great nick. Like, so this was in steam again. No. Yeah, this is the time of the year when you want to get the foundation in place, uh, Matthew. You've obviously been doing it right over the last couple of years. You've come up short in two All Ireland finals. And you've been getting closer and closer with each passing year. Davy Fitz is no longer involved with you um, this year. Obviously, he's moved on to Waterford. What's the makeup of your management team for 2023? Have you everybody in place that you need? Uh, and how well is everybody working together? Um, I suppose the, the main thing was to, to get the dynamics right. I'm I, I using that word so many times now, but like, that, that was vital to us. And um, we seem to have that. Um, I suppose from last year, Terry Donovan, Anthony O'Neill, and man, John Manley stayed on. And we've got a new coach, Liam Cronin. Um, He's a wealth of experience in inter-county coaching. He's an excellent coach. And we've got um, Wesley O'Brien and Owen Dorgan. The two of them are doing the, the, the SNC. And uh, we've Jennifer Megan as well. She's come in and helped me out with a lot of stuff. She's been brilliant. Like, so, look, look we, we'll never say never. Um, if someone popped up is a right fit, we, we, we'd certainly have a chat. Like, but, um, but look, if, 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 we, if we stay where we are, we're happy enough, you know, to be fair to them. 
Yeah, and uh, it hasn't been long in coming around. Obviously, if uh, the gym work that's been done since Christmas will now be put to the test because it is um, Dublin uh, coming to visit you in uh, MTU on Saturday in the opening Division 1 league game. In terms of the league this year, Matthew, you've got home games um, with Dublin, then you're at home to Clare, and then you're on the road uh, at both Tipperary and Kilkenny before finishing off at home to Galway um, in what should be a cracker in your final league game. Is there a specific goal this year with the National League? Are you looking to try more and more players? Or have you got specifics that you want to uh, deliver um, looking ahead and, and getting ready for the All-Ireland Championship? Um, we, we certainly want to look at more players and give, give players an opportunity. Like we've a couple of young players after coming onto the panel late last year. Like, so we want to see us look at them. Um, I suppose long term, like, of course, we want to win everything. But like, our concentration is on Saturday. No, and just, we just want to win that game and get the season off with a positive start, like, and, and I suppose, look, every game we go to, you know, the tradition of Cork, like, we, we want to win every game. Um, so, um, it, it's a great test because last year we'd only three big games, and this year we five, and we, like, we're playing all the serious teams up there as well, which is great. Like, so, I suppose we just want to see where, exactly where we're at like, with the new lads coming in. We, we'd have a new kind of a style of play we, we, we want to play, like, so we're just trying to integrate that into the team now. And, Look, matches is the best way we see where how we're going with us, but um, that's our, that's that'll be our main goal. Just trying to pull the system, new system in, and um, have it ready for a championship. Yeah, and that takes time, and it takes time to bed in. And it t- takes time to get right, Matthew, as you know well. Um, the league, as you said, is the best place to do that, and you've got some top quality opposition finishing off with Kilkenny and Galway. No, it's down the track, and your only focus right now is on Dublin um, ahead of this weekend's opening league Division One A clash. But uh, playing this this type of opponent this early in the year can only do the younger players in your panel good. Absolutely, like we 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 know Dublin are going to come down here now with. Um you know, a very physical kind of a team and, and like last year we played them in, in the championship and um were defensive but they caused us an awful lot of problems that we, we, we were slow to break down but eventually did but um they've under new management now so all these players are trying to impress so like we will be fully expecting a very, very tough battle on Saturday. Um from your own point of view as well, obviously Cork have come excruciatingly close to the All-Irelands you don't need to be told that you've been in the middle of it you've helped orchestrate that losing by a point in last year's All-Ireland final it it goes without saying it, it is true this team is not far away from winning in All-Ireland um, they're only a percentile or two outside of that um, but it is so tight at the very very top of the Senior Camogie Championship what are the kind of things I mean physically you're getting the team ready but on a mentally mentally and just you know from that side of it how important is that the players have the right frame of mind going into another championship this year because they know and you know that you're not far away. It's just that final percentile that you need to find um, to finally get over the line. Yeah, certainly. <clears throat> um, I suppose, look, this year's or last year's all I should say, this uh, probably that's the hardest to take. Uh, just the, just the, the manner of the, the, the loss and not, like, not scoring for 20 minutes was just chaotic. Like So we, we kind of feel we left that one behind us. Which which hurt. So we were slow to come back after you know that the players had they all earned obviously and then they went back to our clubs and so we just we just decided to give them a break before Christmas, leave it off. Um, I, I yeah, I'll be close. Of course we are. Like, but I didn't show Kilkenny, Limerick, or Kilkenny, Tipperary, Galway. I'll probably say the same thing. Um, I, like I suppose the, the main message we hit across in our first meeting back before Christmas was like. You know, just because we've lost to all Ireland, there's, there's no romance with this that we're entitled to win one this year. Like, so we just have to go really and look at ourselves what went wrong last year. And we, we look, 
inside in, in our dressing room. We, we know there's a lot of things that we could have improved on and, and that's what we're trying to get to, just put ourselves in a position that we can play to our best. And if we play to our best, teams will find the heart to beat us and that's what we want to try and get out of this year, like this, this kind of different mindset. Like. Yeah, and that's the very thing. I mean, it, becoming hard to beat, which is something you have done over the past couple of years, that's there. There's clearly an awful lot of talent and there's a lot of young talent as well, which must give you hope coming through from the under-16 and especially the minor ranks. Now, it takes time to bet in at senior from the physicality and just from the, the, the big step up that, that that is there. Are you encouraged by some of the players that you're seeing, though, coming out of minor, that that gives you hope for the coming years? Oh, it's, it's huge and it's credit to everybody who's done all the hard work down through the years with underage teams. Like the, the talent come through is, is very, very good. Even um, like we beat Fahili and Orla Callan, who were both minors last year. Like, and the two of them are fantastic talents. And we know there's there's more like them there like that the, the interveners are looking at. And we're still kind of scouting around with these kind of people as well. And um, even the minor team this year, like I, I saw them playing a couple of times and, and they're very, 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 very talented team. Like So it, it, is, it is exciting, like, you know, and, and it's like just. If we can keep doing this, like you know, we've, we've a great opportunity to keep in crack and reckoning for the next few years. Then we definitely. Yes, and that certainly is obvious from the performances over the last, not just last year, but over the last couple of years uh, since you've taken the job and been at the helm, Matthew. How important, though, from your experience? I mean, obviously every game is important, but how important is it to get off to a positive start in the league? Well, very, very, very important. Um, especially in, like you know, we're playing at home. Um, we we just. Like as I say, we've a lot of work done. We probably haven't got as much field work as we like. I think we only have two challenge matches, um. But like, the, the players impressed us with that. As like, because uh, obviously a lot of them were caught up with um, Ashbourne. Like we had fourteen players tied up between both panels and and up the country as well. So it was tough that side of things. But look, it, it, it goes. It's no brainer. Really, we have to really win Saturday. Like just to get ourselves up and running. Like and you know and we. And, take from that after that then as well into care they're all tough games all tough games indeed they are and we will be there with you on the big red bench throughout the season once again uh, we wish you all the best you your management team and of course the entire senior panel Matthew Toomey thanks very much for joining us on the big red bench and we will talk to you at MTU Cork on Saturday look forward to it. thanks Joe the big red bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joined me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest Formula 1 off-track headlines, including FIA President stepping away from day-to-day running of the organisation, Alpha Tauri following in the footsteps of Red Bull and unveiling their 2023 car in New York, and a less-than-happy welcome for Mario Andretti's proposed return to Formula 1. Now, it is our weekly Formula One slot here on the Big Red Bench with our resident Corkstrad FM Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie, who rejoins us to go through all the off-track news over the past seven days. Sarah, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting on-track action, which we can talk about soon rather than uh, all the politics, but nevertheless... Yes, politics gets a bit boring after a while, but there's plenty of it in Formula One, as you know better than I do. And the ongoing saga of the FIA president, Ben Sulayem, uh, who has finally stepped away from day-to-day running of the organisation. What have you got for us on this, Sarah? Yeah, so as listeners will be familiar with at this stage, we've been discussing the multiple controversies that that uh, the FIA president has been involved in the last couple of weeks. And there was a letter went out to team principals last week which is interesting timing, but allegedly it was kind of planned uh, in advance. And essentially now Ben Suleim is only going to concentrate on strategic matters and the director of single-seater racing is going to step up and take over the day-to-day running. 
So I think, to be honest, this is sort of a best for everyone involved scenario. I think my hope would be that he would eventually step away from the role entirely. But I think that that will take time. And, you know, as we've seen with Formula One, it kind of it, it rots from from the top down. And I think this is hopefully a step in the right direction. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be counting my uh, my chickens too quickly on this one. <laughs> Neither would I. I think that's a very pol- politically correct way of putting it, Sarah McKenzie Foley. Mm-hmm. Fair play to you for not uh, stepping over the line like I might have. Look, this guy has basically been told. You know, no more utterances, no more. We're a public limited company at this stage. We've talked about the United States. We've talked about the Middle East, the investment that is coming F1's way, even more investment to come, and who knows what over the coming years. This is just not a good look politically or just, you know, it just in general uh, for, for general public consumption. I don't think he's going to last much longer, but I don't know what the machinations are of that particular organisation, how they work at the top. I've compared them to FIFA before, and that's about as big an insult as I could possibly give them but he's, his position's untenable here Sarah I mean is he just is it just a stay of execution at this stage or will it make a difference now I think I think so and I hope so I mean it doesn't really make sense for him to to continue on as you say he he doesn't have people's support I you know at a lot of levels I think the, the support for him has really dwindled so it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to have him in there now. I don't know a whole lot about um, Tom Bassis, who is coming in to, like I say, do the day-to-day running. But, you know, my hope would be it can't get any worse. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, I think the the best thing for everyone here would just be for Mohammed bin Suleyem to sort of fade into the background and sort of just say, all right, look, I had my, my 15 minutes and, whether or not he used them wisely is uh, is something that we've commented on before. So I think I think people will, will be uh, familiar with our opinions on him. <laughs> yeah, I think they are at this stage. So we'll watch this space, the the weekly Ben Sullivan and um, uh, slot, and hopefully it won't last too much longer because there's lots of other things to talk about, including the Alpha Tauri following in the footsteps of Red Bull and unveiling their 2023 car in the city of New York. Yeah, so the kind of theme of no major surprises as far as the aesthetics of the cars this year has continued really with Alpha Tauri. Um, you know, they are, of course, Red Bull Racing sister team, so they followed in their steps by favouring a US-based location for their car launch. As I mentioned last week, they will also be partnering with Ford um, for their for their powertrain in the future. So uh, with that being said, they did avoid the faux pas that lots of the other teams have made with having overlong launch events and they kind of kept things short and sweet which fans definitely appreciated based on you know the initial reaction um to to the unveiling and we've also had a couple of others including Karen, whose car actually to be honest looks kind of the most exciting mm. uh from any of the ones that we've seen so far i wouldn't say again it's wildly different to look at i haven't yet dived into the technicalities but uh certainly i'd say probably my my top pick so far from what we've seen uh, and and we're coming to the end of the launch the launches now this week, so it'll be interesting to see, particularly what Mercedes um, pull out. There's been a lot of debate over how their car is going to actually look, so it'll be interesting to see what what comes out from under the the tarpaulin or or the silk or whatever it is mm. that they they have them doing now these days. Yeah, it's, it has been getting a little bit too extravagant over the last couple of years. I would agree with you on that. The Alfa Tauri car that I've seen so far, I've always liked the livery of it. Um, and the way that they've um, the, the the blue and the white and the and, the, and just the colour scheme and the dash of red their launch was particularly 
intriguing. There was seen to be a lot of people wearing, I don't know, hats and caps and balaclavas and gloves. And it was just all very arty. Yeah. And I'm not sure what was going on. Just show me the car. That's all I want. Just show me the car. Yeah. Is the I, car lovely? It is. Yeah, I think, again, the so Alfa Terry has a, I mean, essentially, it's, it's actually technically a fashion brand also. So well, fair enough, yeah. I think this is, um, this is sort of harking back to that. But I agree. I mean, does that need to happen at the launch? No. You know, people compared it to one of Kanye West, capsule launch oh, events and I, I don't I don't think that's a particularly positive uh, line to be drawing between those two things so yeah I think it's all become a bit of a laugh and a joke now so we'll see if they learn their lesson next year but I, I wouldn't be too confident Yeah and I, I don't think it's going to take up too much of Netflix's time either somehow it might make for good aesthetics and it might no. make for um, a good montage maybe just at the start of the season but that's about it of course what I'm really looking forward to is the launch of as we record this tomorrow, Ferrari's car launch. Uh, what's that? What that's going to look like? I know it'll be red, um, and I know it'll be with <laughs> black underbelly. But it's one I always look forward to. They don't Ferrari. Just in my opinion, and my prancing horse glazed glasses on here, they've never really re- <laughs> unveiled a really bad car. But Ferrari. Before we talk about delivery, and before we talk about the launch, and before we get into the kind of the testing and the real nuts and bolts of the testing that's to come, because it's not far off now the new season, Sarah. But mm-hmm. Ferrari are a team, whatever about the look of the car, they have got to kick on this year. They just simply have to kick on. Have they the drivers to do so when you consider that we've talked about Red Bull possibly having more or less the same kind of a car set up, mightn't be as quick. McLaren, obviously, Mercedes are going to be launching everything they've got behind Lewis Hamilton. But Ferrari are the team nobody seems to be talking about at the moment. Maybe they will know tomorrow when they launch the car. But they've got the drivers. They've had all the bad experiences you could possibly ask for in one particular season and they've squeezed all that into the full season as we completely recounted last year. They've got to kick on, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. They really do because, as you alluded to, you know, you've got Red Bull who are already a step ahead and then you have everyone else behind who is, you know, really, really pushing to catch up. So Ferrari, in some senses, are sort of sandwiched in the middle there and they could very easily be sort of swallowed up by the whole thing. And I think it's really important that that doesn't happen, especially because, you know, you mentioned the drivers, Leclerc is only contracted until 2024. And I, I don't know if they can really afford to to lose him. And I think, you know, they're spending a lot of money on him. They're spending a lot of money on the car. And I just, as you say, they can't have a repeat of last year. They really can't. It just won't be good enough. I, you know, they've only just got rid of Matteo Bonato uh, towards the end of last year, I don't think that things will have changed drastically, but I do think mm. that it is enough time to operationally at least clean up the messes that we did see that should have been preventable in the first place. So I think even if they can pull their socks up in that sense and sort of just, you know, as we say in any other sport, just do the basics really well. I mm. think that that actually is the, the most important thing for them to have that foundation because Last year, they just got ahead of themselves entirely and got carried away with the potential performance of the car and kind of forgot or seemingly forgot all of the things that sort of underpin that in order to get the results out of it. And they just can't afford to do that again this year. No, they cannot. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Me particularly, I love the Ferrari cap on every for every uh, podcast, <laughs> as you know. Finally, news of the Andretti Formula One bid and an update on a possible return American team emerging in 2024. Yeah, so the Andretti name will probably be familiar to any listeners of the podcast who are interested in NASCAR or IndyCar because they've been involved in the, those sports, 
particularly as a family since the 1960s. And at the end of 2021, there were supposedly negotiations between Andretti Autosport and Sauber, who operate the Alfa Romeo F1 team, and also Haas, about potentially buying out one of those teams. Um, ultimately, those negotiations were unsuccessful, but it hasn't stopped Mario and Michael Andretti from continuing their efforts to get back to Formula One. And they actually, interestingly, had fairly vocal support from Mohammed bin Suleim, who was confused as to why everyone else wasn't as excited as he was about the possibility of Andretti Racing becoming a new Formula One team in 2026. And again, coming back to the partnerships with American auto manufacturers, the plan there was for them to partner with General Motors and Cadillac. Mm. So that's a pretty big American trifecta right there. Um, but unfortunately for the Andretti's, they're kind of finding more opposition and less support from other leaders in the sport. So Stefano Domenicali, for example, who you will you will uh, be very familiar <laughs> with being a, a former Ferrari man of long standing, but he's now the CEO of the Formula One Group, and he recently did an interview with Martin Brundle for Sky Sports and said, in pretty you know in no uncertain terms that. Formula One would not be sort of convinced by Michael Andretti's what he called shouting and attempts to push the system. So they're they're not really impressed with his approach and, you know, the kind of loud and brash. They really are not into that at all. And Gunter Steiner, who is, of course, team principal of Haas, which is owned by by American Gene Haas also, he raised concerns about adding an, an 11th F1 team to the grid and sort of said, look, I don't really see any benefits to doing this. It, it seems pretty high risk for for very little uh, kind of quantifiable reward. And he, he made a valid point. You know, he kind of mentioned the volatility of the current economy and the fact that the paddock of F1 teams as they stand has only just achieved a sort of decent level of financial stability. And adding another team to that would definitely complicate matters, especially with everything that happened last year with the cost cap with Red Bull. So they're just not receiving a whole lot of support. And now especially that Ben Suleim is, is on the way out, we hope. I I don't know if, their, if the approach that they're taking is going to bear fruit for them, no matter how much, you know, money or, or mm. kind of big names they, they throw at it. I think they're going to run into some pretty serious opposition. Yes, unfortunately, I think you're right. And it's a disappointment because I'm old enough to remember Mario Andretti and what a star he was. And we've alluded to the attraction to the United States, how big it, Formula One is becoming there. This, on paper, sounds like perfect timing, the trifecta that you mm. mentioned there. But the reality is very, very different. And I suppose the the long the, the long term financial viability of a lot of the teams that come in and how much they lose in the opening number of years, you know, it, it's a lot to take. And it's again, we go back to it, Sarah. It's not a good look when you're trying to sell this and you're trying to make Netflix TV series about it as lovely as it would be to see Andretti and the Star Spangled Banner on 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 the grid. I've no doubt over time they could make a success of it. Um, I just wonder, like you do there, and I think I, I wonder, like Damicelli and Steiner, you know, uh, is it all? There seems to be a lot of gusto here and not a lot of actual um, enough comment or enough enough traction, I think, pardon the pun, I think, for, for the Andretti's just to, you know, launch in 2024 and that'll be it. And I think the F1 you're going to see over the next couple of years are going to be very, very careful or a lot more careful than what they were about who they let in and let onto the grid. Especially because Andretti are talking about having an all-American team and, you know, currently there's only one American driver on the grid and he's a rookie Logan Sargent who is just coming in this year for Williams. As you say, like the first couple of years in Formula 1 for any team is 
extremely difficult and to then put you know drivers who have less at this point less than three years experience realistically in the car and ask them to you know essentially <laughs> pull a rabbit out of the hat I just mm. think it's not it's not realistic and I think that you know the powers that be in Formula One for the most part are seeing that and they're seeing the risk of that so you know never say never but I think at the moment they're they're definitely running into a lot of roadblocks there. Indeed, they are never say never and roadblocks. Uh, when it comes to talking about Formula One, what what better analogies could we be using at this time of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah McKenzie Foley, once again, thank you uh, for your time and for your in- insight and for your expert opinion on a lot of different subjects. We'll be back again next week to start the build up to the March fifth when the opening Grand Prix of the new Formula One season. Can't believe it's coming around so quick again, but looking forward mm-hmm. to it immensely. In the meantime, where can people find your motorsport content? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a new video coming out this week, actually, on F1 driver salaries. So if folks are interested in knowing how much their favourite driver gets paid, I'll have that video out by the end of the week on my channel. So if you search Sarah McKenzie F1 on YouTube, you will find me there. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. On this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast, I was delighted to be joined by Monster Women's Hockey PRO Graeme Catchpole, who joined me to go through all the latest Munster Women's Hockey News, Division 1 and EY League results scores, plus a preview of some huge club games coming up over the weekend. Now, we're delighted here on the Big Red Bench to welcome back Munster Women's Hockey PRO, Graeme Catchpole, to get a, a roundup of all the latest happenings in the Women's Hockey EY1, EY2 and the Women's Munster Division Leagues as well. Graeme, you're very welcome back. How are you? Good, Ger. How are you? I'm really good. Uh, we got a very positive reaction to last week's uh, interview with Skull Vuera and the school and the college, the Cork College that lifted uh, the, the Hockey Cup for the first time in 48 years and the players involved and obviously their coach Dave Egner as well. Thank you for helping us uh, set that up. Uh, it was great to talk to them and I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of this particular school. No, it, it was a great interview, Ger, and, and thanks again for, for doing it, I suppose, um, there was a fantastic reaction across the, the hockey circles to it. Um, plenty of people saying how good the interview was. And um, yeah, uh, uh, thanks to yourself, for, I suppose, for, for doing the interview. And um, thanks to Dave and, and the girls as well for, for, I suppose, pitching up as well on the day and uh, making it so entertaining. Yes, I will give all the credit to the uh, interviewees on this one, not the interviewer, because uh, they were a willing audience and a very knowledgeable audience and we had a good chat. So, as I said, hopefully we'll catch up with them again later in the year. Now we must turn our attention, though, to domestic matters. And uh, there were some big games in EY2 involving Munster teams over the past week. Yeah, unfortunately, I suppose for the Munster teams last week, they they had a tough week. Um, So UCC and Harlequins both travelled to Dublin to play uh, the respective opposition. Uh, both teams coming out on the, the wrong side of a 1-0 scoreline. So UCC uh, went down to Avoca um, uh, 1-0 and, and Harlequins losing to Corinthians 1-0. But um, not, all's not lost, I suppose, for both teams. You know, Harlequins currently sitting second in, in, in their table still. Um, UCC sitting third at the moment with the, with the top three, I suppose, qualifying for um, for the next phase. Um Couple of games to go now for for, for both both sides. Uh, three games each left, and I suppose all to play for. Um, Corinthians and Avoca look at the moment to be out on top in both tables and kind of almost uncatchable at this point. So it looks like UCC and Harlequins will be playing for second and third in those groups. Yes, but even at that, Graham, uh, that would still qualify them from the two pool pool A and pool B of the women's EY two uh, divisions and. 
Would it be fair to say we're talking about Harlequins going away to Corinthians who are unbeaten and only losing 1-0, UCC going away to Avoca and only losing 1-0 to a team that has yet to lose either? I mean, they're encouraging performances, if nothing less. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Corinthians and Avoca are, are, I suppose, not only, I suppose, running, you know, d- dominating the EY2 league, um, in the Leinster League, also their their first and second there as well. So it was no mean feat, I suppose, to go away and 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 run both both clubs so close. Um, so they are playing, they you are know, two of the best teams in in the Leinster League, um, and to go away and 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 run them close was was certainly a a good achievement. Although I'm sure they'll they'll still be uh, somewhat disappointed not to come away with with mm. some points from the trip. Yeah, and just to recap that, in the women's EY2 pool, Avoca are top of the table with 22 points from their five matches. Ulster Elks are in second on 16 with a game less played, but UCC are in there in third on 11, ahead of Muckras and still in the qualification spot to reach the knockout stages. It's the same in women's EY2 pool B, where Cork Harlequins are on, uh, in, sec- in joint second place with Ballymoney and Queen's University, each of those uh, teams on 12 points and Corinthian, as we said, way out in front on 25. A lot to play for in the coming weeks in that particular league and it's a very, very interesting league and I think there's a few thrills and spills to come uh, from that and the best of luck to the Munster teams for the remainder of that group phase. Before we turn our attention to the Women's Munster Division 1, Graham, we must talk about Catholic Institute and how they're going in Women's EY1. Yes, yeah, so, so they're having a fantastic season again this season. Um, so they're 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 currently top of the table, joint on points with with Loretto, and, and and actually this weekend they host Loretto on Saturday in 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 Ross Bryan. So uh, I suppose a, a, a real uh, six pointer as, as it were um, on at offer uh, I suppose in Limerick this weekend, and wishing Institute all all the very best this weekend. They've they've had a fantastic season, and um, they they've been run close by Loretto in the past and come out the right side a couple of times so again hoping for um, hoping for a, a Catholic Institute win this weekend. Yeah and the very best of luck to that Munster club um, as you said Loretto and Catholic Institute joined top of the women's EY1 league on 21 points apiece after 10 games and lurking behind their UCD and Pegasus let's not forget them they're on 19 points even though Pegasus have a few extra games played but again a very very interesting end to the season uh, in 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 possibility there uh, irrespective of how Catholic Institute get on against Loretto this weekend now we turn to the Women's Munster Division 1 League and an always competitive league and it's equally tight at the top there Graham after a few interesting results yeah we, we've had a couple of, of interesting results of late I suppose most notably maybe maybe UCC and Bandon drawing one off so uh, Bandon who, who have been improving I suppose over the course of the season um, last week uh, took on UCC uh, away and Came away with it with a one-all draw, so that was certainly a, a result. I suppose that wasn't expected. Um, so Katie Desmond uh, getting the goal for Bandon there, Nikki Barry getting the goal for for UCC, um, and, and I suppose equally, I suppose as important that day, um, Harlequins uh, came away with a three-nil win over over Ashton. Uh, Beth Ann O'Farrell getting two more goals, and, and you'll see she's mm-hmm. she's certainly uh, firing in the goals across across all the the competitions this year. And Michelle Barry, who's uh, ex Ashton player, uh, not knocking in the other one. So, um, it, what it means, I suppose, is is it the, the table looks like you know UCC are top by two points over Harlequins at the moment. They're on twenty six points. Um, C of I uh, four points back from Harlequins then on twenty, um, and Ashton and Bandon then on seventeen and sixteen. Looks like they might be falling away a small bit from uh, you know from from the top three. So, um, but. Plenty to play for, still plenty of uh, 
you know, spots up for grabs and, and certainly, you know, from, from fifth place upwards, they'll all be pushing for that second place spot, if not that first place spot. Yeah, and this is a particularly interesting league because, as you said, Bandon holding UCC, that's the first points UCC have dropped in nine games. Um, they're two points clear of Cork Harlequins, Church of Ireland as well, on 20. Uh, all of nine games played, and as you said, Ashton and Bandon making up the top five, even though they've played a few more games. The quality of this year's women's Munster Division 1, Graham, you're quite close to it and you've seen a lot of it. When you see UCC and Harlequins having dropped, near, not really dropped many points, if, if very few at all, um, we're looking at those two as the potential favourites to, to battle it out for the title? It, it looks like it at the moment and, and, and they actually have to play each other twice yet. Mm. So there, there's some big games coming up there. Um, just the way the fixtures worked out, um, it, you know, that the, their, their fixtures against each other were towards, I suppose, the the back half of the season um, but there are some some tasty fixtures coming up in fact this Thursday um, we, we have a big game uh, in in, in, um, in Harlequins where, where they host uh, third place Church of Ireland so um, Church of Ireland uh, actually beat Harlequins earlier in the year so it's the only points Harlequins have dropped so it'll be very interesting to see how they fare with, with both both teams now I suppose going full tilt you know playing every single week and you know, both both teams are, are I suppose, gunning for those uh, top, those top places. So that'll be a very interesting one. So that's tipping off at um, at, at, at uh, seven o'clock in in Harlequins on uh, Thursday. Excellent stuff. So plenty of action and plenty of thrills and spills to come in the closing weeks of the season, Graham. We're looking forward to seeing how all that pans out in Women's Monster Division 1. Before we finish, we just have a quick check, as you mentioned there, in the uh, top scorers in the Monster Women's uh, top scorers list. Beth Ann O'Farrell continuing her fantastic season for Cork, Cork Harlequins with 16 goals. Emma Sullivan for UCC on 13. Michelle Barry, uh, Beth Ann O'Farrell's teammate at Harlequins on 12. And Kate Harvey from Ashton, uh, a familiar face or familiar face and name in the top of the goal scorers charts there she's got 11 followed by Yvonne O'Byrne of Cork Harlequins on 10 and Kira Sexton for CFI on 10 goals as well um, another action packed week and weekend has just gone another action packed week and more and more thrills and spills as we keep saying to come um, over the coming weeks and months but uh, for now Graham Catchball Munster Women's Hockey Piero thanks very much for your time here on the Big Red Bench Thanks a million, Jer. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan, and guests between 6 and 7 p.m. on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.